preach in Jesus' name this morning. Turn with your Bibles to Revelation 7. One of our three opening songs this morning, we sang, O Lord, haste the day when my faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. What a day. Can you imagine that day? I'm not sure. Some people say we're going to walk right into heaven. Some people say we're going to sit on the porch for a thousand years before we walk in. I, that's, I, I'm not here to debate that this morning. I, that's pretty much beside the point. I'm glad to do whatever happens. If the if Lord says, I want you to sit on the porch for a thousand years, I'll, I'll be glad to sit on the porch for a thousand years. If he says, walk right in, I'm ready to walk right in. And so, but, but I, I just... Studying for this sermon, I, I'm just trying. I just tried to grasp that day. And there's no no. There's no going back. I mean, the trump's going to sound, and the Lord's going to descend, and uh, there's going to be a tremendous. Tremendous uh, division. There's going to be incredible events taking place in such rapid succession, it seems to me, that I'm not sure that I. At this point, I can't imagine even grasping it all. The magnitude, the finality, the. Just a sequence of events. And then be transported into heaven. <clears throat> you don't have to worry about anything. It's like, I just... We're sitting in the living room last yesterday evening or afternoon. And I just look at my wife and I says, what, what would it be like to be in heaven and you wouldn't have to have any faith? Faith is history. The word does not apply. Revelation 7, 9. And after this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations, and kindreds, and people, and tongues, stood before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, and palms in their hands. And they cried with a loud voice saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne unto the Lamb. 
And all the angels stood about, round about the throne, and about the elders, and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God, saying, Amen! Blessing, and glory, and wisdom, and thanksgiving, and honor, and power, and might be unto our God forever and ever. Let it be so. Amen. Try to picture that. Try to grasp that. All white. No tan. No brown. No blue. No stripes. No flowers. No polka dots. All white. Pure white. I see white shirts. Uh, I think I see a white dress there. Uh, all white. <coughs> Only white. Are your robes white? If I was to title the message this morning, that's what the title would be. Are your robes white? Verse 13, And one of the elders answered, saying unto me, What, what are these which are arrayed in white robes? And where, whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. He said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. They are white because they're dipped in red. How about that? Therefore, they are before the throne of God. Serve Him all day. Serve Him day and night in His temple. He that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them, and they shall hunger no more. Neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them, and shall lead them into living fountains of water, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So we're there. Before the throne of God. Don't need a sun. Don't need to worry about buying groceries. You don't have to worry about whether the well pump works. You don't worry about anything. Absolutely nothing. Can you imagine standing before the throne of God? Jesus beside him. Everything that you had to envision or to, like I'm trying to do this morning, everything you've, you've tried to picture and put together as how this could possibly be, has come absolute perfectly reality. Absolute perfect reality. All faith is gone. Absolute perfect reality. Everything that you as a Christian work for, everything you've striven for, everything... Every ounce of energy you ever put into your Christian life, everything that you've ever hoped for, dreamed of, 
as a Christian is there. Heaven. Christ. God. Home. We went to the West Coast, drove 6,800 miles, and we're taking pictures all the way. We're taking pictures of mountains, we're taking pictures of desert, we're taking pictures of cactus, we're taking pictures of, of uh, oceans and rocks and sand and monstrous, biggest tree in the whole world and all kinds of things. We're coming down the road, and I said, I've got a picture that I have to take you. And that's home. That's got to be the last picture, is home. What would happen? You came around the corner, and there was no home. What would happen if we came down 320th Street and the sheriff had the road blocked off? You know, we were at the top of the hill. You could see home, but you couldn't get home. I said, nope, absolutely not. For whatever reason, you cannot go that last half a mile. Come on, i got to get home. Nope. You can see it. It's there. But for some reason, you can never attain it. You have that in comparison to taking your picture home, you're driving the driveway, you hit the button on the ceiling and the garage door goes up, and you pull in the drive into the garage and you turn off the key. We're home. 6,800 miles. We are home. Well, you know, that still is not the best part. The best part is after the car is unloaded. And you crawl into bed. And you're in your own bed, and you're relaxed. Man, you are home. Rest. rich man Lazarus. Lazarus could see the only home that anybody could call home. It's 
God-faced. I can see it. He can see it. Nope. Dirty robes. Can you imagine? Not only the place of eternal punishment, but you could see, never get there. Sometimes we think, well, you know, I feel like I'm so alone. I mean, there's so few Christians and the world is so full of corruption and evil and, and, and everything, you know, I just feel alone. Well, you're never alone. Because at this point in time when this was written, it said it was an innumerable number. Now, how far can you count? How far can you count? As far as you can count, and then add on to that some more, that's how many people... that have loved the Lord, served the Lord, and made it to heaven, not counting all the rest of them on the earth. Hebrews 11 says, and, and I just, I love that chapter. It, 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 these people were focused. I mean, they were looking for a city. They were looking for a city without foundation, that, whose builder and maker is God, and that's where they were gone. And they were looking out there and people's trying to saw them asunder. They are trying to, to give them the pleasure of Egypt. They were doing all these things. And they were having tough time. And, and the Bible says they were focused on that city. They were focused on that city. That's where I'm going. I'm going to be there. I'm not dirty in my robes with this junk around here. This garbage is sin. I'm going to be white. I'm going to be clean. I'm going to be pure. I'm going to be there. They were clothed in white. Are your robes washed? Not? You won't be there. Sorry, not a chance. Revelation 19, verse 5. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I, has it, and I heard as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and the voice of many waters, and as the voice of many mighty thunderings, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints." And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. How long is that table going to be? 
I, I saw a picture one time, and I, I, I actually it was in Lester Troyer's dining room. I don't know if you ever saw it or not, but it's a picture of a table, and it goes, and finally the table's so small it gets it disappears behind the utensils on the table, it's like a bowl or something. I don't know what it is. Absolutely to infinity. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Ah, these people were palms in their hands. Victory! The battle's over! It's all done! No playground Christians there. You know, if you're going to be victorious, there has to be a, some kind of resistance, right? There has to be some kind of resistance. If you're going to win, you have to have victory over something. And if we're not fighting anything, brothers and sisters, this morning, we're not going to be there. If I'm not fighting the world, the flesh, and the devil, I'm not going to win. I'm going to be defeated because the winners are going to be there. They're the winners are the, are the ones with the white robe. Those are the ones that has fought the devil. If I'm not fighting him, I won't win. And I won't be there. You know that? I know that. They're before the, the throne of God. They are standing before the throne of God. <clears throat> the battle's over, and they're still standing. Now that's what makes a difference. They're alive. They're undestroyed. They're not running. They're holding ground. They're standing. If we're going to stand there, we're going to have to stand here. So simple, so profound, but so true. Stand now, stand then. then. Simple as that. And we know that too. Now can you imagine standing there? Now this is the initial experience of standing there. And you knew that you had a hundred billion trillion gills and gazillion years to keep doing that. The anticipation. The anticipation folks. 
This is not a two-hour deal. This is not a one-day deal. This is not a one-month deal. This is not a 1,000-year deal. And am I going to have to try? I'm not going to worry about whether I fall into sin. I'm not going to worry about anything. I'm not even had to worry about what it's time to go to bed. Every once in a while, my wife and I look at each other, you know, it's like, we're going to have to start going to bed earlier. Because, man, these mornings are they're just terrible. It's just terrible. You know, you go to canned pickles at midnight or some ridiculous thing. And, and yeah, and, and then you try to get up in the morning. All our faith, all our expectation has been realized without end. So where do these people come from? Uh, well, were they Holderman Mennonites? Were they Midwest Fellowship? Were they conservative Mennonites? You think possibility might be a few Baptists or Lutheran or what does it say? Every, I can't seem of them. Oh, first verse. <laughs> All nations, kindreds, peoples, tongues stood before the throne for the Lamb, clothed with white robes. Sometimes you think, well, you know, the way this person lived, they could never be there. You know. And we'll name a religion and say, well, they'd never be there. Well, I'm not too sure, and I'm not here to say. And I'm glad I'm not to judge. Alright? But it says they're going to come from all over. I know for a fact in my Christian growth, in my Christian experience, that if I did some things now that I did 45 years ago, I would doubt whether I would get to heaven. I just really doubt that I could. But that's where I was spiritually.
sometimes we say, well, if it's not just Mennonites, who else could it be? Well, is it our, our business to set the criteria? Now, I know I'm not here preaching this morning to get to heaven any old way. But I'm simply saying this, that in our quest for God, we are at different places. And if somebody is in a church that we would not feel comfortable with, but in their quest for truth and in their growth and in their Christian experience and their growing experience, they have not realized certain things, I'm glad God is, God is the judge. However, there's a judgment call that needs to be made. And that's not about those people out there. It's about this person right here. And that question is, is my robes white? Kind of reminds me of uh, Christ's conversation with Peter in John 21, where Jesus says, feed my lambs. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Feed my sheep. Follow me. And then after that conversation, Peter turns around and says, well, what about John? You know what Jesus said? What is that to thee? Follow thou me. And if I look at Joe and say, well, if he can get to heaven doing what he's doing, then obviously I can get to heaven doing the same thing. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Am I able to get to heaven justifying myself because of somebody else's inconsistencies? I doubt it. I don't think we're going to come up there and, and, and God's going to say, well, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, your robe is a little cleaner than John, than Joe or Bill or whatever. So since your robe is a little cleaner than Bill, then, yeah, it's not white, but it's a little cleaner. I, I guess, yeah, or whatever. No, it doesn't say that. It says they all have to be white. What are these people, these people here that are clothed in white robes, what, what, do, they have, what do they have in common in regards to their past? Verse 14. They have come out of great tribulation. Tribulation means affliction, trouble, anguish, persecution, burdened, to be afflicted, uh, pressure. So, common denominator here, these people, somewhere in their life's experience, face pressure. Somewhere in life, in their life's experience, because they were a Christian, they, they faced some trouble. Uh, they faced some burdens because they were committed to Christ. Some experiences that weren't easy. But because they were committed to Christ, they were willing to take that burden, pressure, whatever. 
I suppose if you'd in Lansing the other day, you would have seen a very kind of strange sight on the street in front of Bible school where it curves around in front of the creamery. There was a Maranatha Bible School van there with a, with a man stuck his head in each side of the window, and they were going over the preacher that was in the driver's seat about why he didn't vote. And I was getting it from both windows. Yeah, well, we understand. I said, I don't vote. I, I mean, I do vote. Yeah, I vote. I vote on my knees. Well, that's fine, but you're trying to get, you should be get up and off your knees and, and go to the polls. You know, it's a problem. You know, he said, I, I respect you, all you Mennonites, what you do down there in that building. That, that, that's fine. But, but the problem is, you put your religion in front of your politics. See, you have to put politics, you've got to get it in front of your religion, because... If you didn't, well, then the Senate wouldn't work if everybody worked on their religion instead of on their politics. And I said, do you really believe that a Christian, as the Bible describes is supposed to be, could be a politician? Be President of the United States? Oh, yeah, 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 you can, you can. Two sentences later, he says, you know what? This whole politician thing is so corrupt, it is unbelievable. I said, now you're talking out both sides of your mouth. You're telling me that the whole thing is corrupt, and you're telling me that you can be a Bible-believing, obedient Christian and be a politician. I said, come on. Something doesn't make sense here. He says, that's when he said, well, that's the problem. You put your religion in front of your politics. Anyhow, we had quite, a, quite an interesting conversation there. But yeah, I was getting it from both sides. I was in the hot spot. I was taking the pressure. Uh, yeah, and then I started saying, you know, but what you believe, how you live, has to precede everything. Yeah, well, I went to church. I used to go to church, but I fell out with a preacher back there on the back street. I fell out with a preacher. He said, and I could make some broad statements about all preachers, but he said, you probably wouldn't want to hear it anyhow. I said, so what if you fell out with a preacher? Is that a good reason to not let, let that get between you and God? Somewhere along the way, your commitment to God has to supersede your commitment to the preacher, even if he misbehaves. Well... I didn't consider that persecution. Not necessarily a burden, but I was in the hot seat, whatever. And he said, yeah, I used to go to church, but I go to the first church of the bottle. People say things like that. I'm, I'm, I'm glad they don't mock me because they're still listening. And they know. And what brought up the whole subject of 
voting anyhow. I mean, I'm driving down the street and stop and say hi, and he sticks his head in the window and says, well, you're on the way to vote. It's like, Whoa. And then I'm talking to him, and then the head comes in the other window, and, you know, and finally the head disappears out of the other window, and then finally... But they face tribulation. Brothers and sisters this morning, whatever the tribulation, the trouble, the anguish, the persecution, the burden, the pressure, whatever it is, we must expect that that's going to happen. If we don't expect it's going to happen, it's going to throw us for a loop when it happens. We have to expect that's what's going to happen because... It happens to every Christian that's surrounded around a throne. So don't get distraught about it. We have a choice of playing away our life, playing games with God, kind of like a hockey game. You know, they get out there and they run and they hit the puck and whatever. And when they're done, they all line up and they all shake hands. Yeah, I, yeah, I was at one hockey game in my life and I didn't, couldn't figure out who was who. And, and I was cheering for everybody. It was a little community thing in Canada. And we went whatever we went for, I'm not sure, but... I cheered for everybody, and, and so anyhow. But I was impressed that when they're done, they all shook hands. You know, the game's over, and it's kind of immaterial who won. You know, and it's whatever. But if we think that life is a game... And we're going to shake hands with God, and it's not making any difference one way or the other. We're in for rude awakening. I may have used this illustration before, but I'm not sure if I did. But I went to Bible school with a young man by the name of Delbert Berkey from Oregon. Anyhow, I'd met him for 25 years. Him and I, I mean, we were thick as pea soup in Bible school. I mean, it's like, I, I suppose, well, I wouldn't want to admit that I was part of a clique, but I probably was. Who knows? I don't know. But <coughs> Went to my niece's wedding in Pennsylvania, and who walks in but Delbert Berkey? I didn't know he's going to be there. He didn't know I was going to be there. Well, maybe he put two two together. I don't know. But I didn't know he's going to be there. And we just looked at each other and shook, shook our head. You know, it's like, okay, where do we start? His wife had, at one point in time, quite a bit of emotional problems, and I'm not sure what all, I don't need to know the whole story. But he, he, he said, Dennis, I'm going to tell you something. He said, life is tough, but God is good.
It's not a playground. The second thing they had in common, the first one was they faced tribulation. The second one, they had a common experience of personal purity through the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. They had white robes. Now you look around this world, and the blackness of the world, the blackness of our culture, the blackness of sin, and everything that's going on, and it's like Arnie said, you look at the look at the news and it's wars and wars and rumors of wars and everything else that's happening and people killing each other and whatever, and you say, wait a minute, white robes, white robes, ah, hit now? White robes now? Is that realistic? To have white robes now? Wouldn't God understand that gray's alright? Being the situation we're in? <clears throat> you know what God asks us to do? He gives us power to do. Not going to be easy. But it is realistic. So what were they doing? They were crying with a loud voice, Salvation to our God which sitteth on the throne and unto the Lamb. Just drinking in the presence of God. Heaven. Jesus. The river of life. The streets of gold. The tree of life. Absolutely unending joy. Our loved ones shouting victory because of Jesus. Will you be there? That, brothers and sisters, this morning is the question. And that is the question you will need to answer to God this morning.